Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We set aside time uh, every Tuesday at 1110 uh, to talk about programs within the city uh, that highlights difference makers. They're working in the trenches. You never hear about these folks. Uh, They do a lot of work that really is to improve the quality of life in our communities in so many different ways. I mean, they are so diverse. I've been very fortunate to uh, be able to communicate with folks that have been difference makers in a very diverse way, um, all contributing to successes in in our community. And we still face a lot of challenges. And uh, it's interesting that we're going to talk to an individual today, actually, who has provided services to inmates. And we've been, we just had a one-hour conversation about this Criminal Justice Reinvestment Act and how it works and whether or not there are rehabilitative services and whether or not the necessary dollars are appropriated here. I quoted the governor in his address yesterday because words matter. And if you tell people that you're going to do something and this is what you want to do and why, then we should be doing it. And actions speak louder than words. And that's why I brought up the point that we don't see any bills here to increase these programs, to increase funding, to, de- to address recidivism. And there are a number of programs that have been in place over the years that have made a difference. And here to talk about one is Terry Clay, founder of Men of Recovery. He has the model for the model for mental recovery is called Addicted to the Lifestyle Counseling that he developed and he joins us. Terry, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing this morning, Newell? Doing well, Terry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate uh, yes, sir. I appreciate you coming on and and, and uh talking about uh founder of Men of Recovery. Tell us about it. Well, the Men of Recovery is geared toward um supporting the curriculum that was developed uh, uh, to address the violence and, and the drugs that was that is and was so prevalent in our community. Uh, the goal is recidivism and, and addressing not just the drugs, but also the lifestyle uh, perpetuated by the culture for the past 42 years, actually, uh, being specific about it and addressing uh, changing mindsets, the the science of behavioral modification. Uh, The curriculum was actually uh, piloted and developed here in New Orleans uh, because you have many, many programs that are piloted and become evidence-based that were not specific to the culture of New Orleans, but uh, 
the addicted to the lifestyle is specific to the culture of New Orleans and the culture that promotes uh, a certain mindset that contributes to the violence and, and the drug addiction that we see today. So tell us a little bit about uh, your experience with this program. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, you've said is that early onset, um, you worked in, in an about-face substance abuse program, and it was a mandatory substance abuse counseling via court orders, right? And uh, right. the belief was is that a lot of these participants were actually users, but you exactly. found that that wasn't necessarily the truth. They were not really addicted to drugs. They were addicted to the lifestyle that you're talking about, criminal hustling, violence, selling drugs within their local communities, and engaged in what you described as this thug-drug lifestyle. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, during that particular time, I, w- I was early in my, my career, and I, I began working um, in, in the parish prison with the About Face program. And we would go in, I would go in, and, and we would conduct group sessions and, and uh, get the feedback from the clients. Uh, but what we found was during that period, you know, that was, that was a period where uh, the culture promoted the drug dealing lifestyle. And what we found was that uh, a lot of the clients were trying to, well, a part of that program primarily because they could get a reduced sentence, but their, Mm -hmm. their problem wasn't really addiction to drugs. It was an addiction to the lifestyle. And so what we saw during that period was individuals who would be released, but would recidivate and wind up right back into the lifestyle and right back in jail, getting double billed, triple billed, quadruple billed, you know, but it wasn't because of a, uh, an addiction to drugs. It was an addiction to, you know, hustling and, and, and selling. And so I developed, you know, I looked at the issue and I realized that we needed to expand the the model if we was going to address, uh, uh, provide treatment for the population who was permeating the prison industry. And so I developed the Addicted to the Lifestyle to begin working with individuals who were not just addicted to drugs, but addicted to that lifestyle of hustling, selling homicidal thoughts, you know, homicidal behaviors, and the code that came with it. A lot of these individuals ended up using and abusing other people in order to kind of carry out their dastardly deeds, right? Right. Right. Well, that that became part of the code. You know, there's a code of what we call values and beliefs that goes with with the culture and the lifestyle that individuals internalize. So how did you break this cycle? I mean, if you would, for the benefit of the listening audience, talk to us of how that cycle gets broken. Well, it's not new. The concept is not new. It's just that it's culturally specific. 
um, you know, one of the things that that uh, uh, the NESW promotes is cultural competency. And many times, if you don't understand the culture and the values and the beliefs that are indoctrinated into these individuals, then you don't have any basis for providing them with alternative values, beliefs, and behaviors. What we, what I found in doing the work, to be honest with you, what I found in doing the work was a lot of, uh, a large portion of the community embraced. It's almost like, you know, the old Italian mafia. A large por- portion of the community embraced the values and the cultures of what we call the G code of that particular culture. And so in order to, to change it, you have to understand the alternative values and principles to change the thinking and the behavior. But if you, if you don't, if you don't understand that, you know, homicide or retaliation or or, or going into a community and setting up shop and, and, you know, you're not just, you know, uh, promoting uh, uh, the drug game. You're impacting families. You're impacting children. You know, you're taking communities hostage. You know, if you don't understand that, then you, you sort of sanction that behavior based upon street code and what we're talking about and what we've done over the years is something we call taking over the community you know where we'll go in we'll work with the uh uh, uh, gangs we'll bring them into groups and we'll transform their thinking and behavior and then connect them with resources because the recidivism rate is so high, you know, I, I worked at, at the Youth Studies Center for a little while, and and I did an assessment of the kids who were there. And what I found was that 90% of the children who were in the institution had been coming there since they was 10 years old. But there was nothing there to, to uh, work with them relative to the culture and changing their value base and helping them transition into a different lifestyle. And, and that's the key. If, if you don't have the correct intervention or behavior modification program that's specific to that culture, then we get the same result, you know, when they hit the street because the environment is one of the most influential uh, 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 things on a person's thinking and behavior. Absolutely. We're visiting with Terry Clay, founder of Men of Recovery. Terry, um, obviously breaking this cycle, it's not easy, is it? Well, put it like this. It's, it's, how can I say it's a form, and I'm not going to say ignorance, but, you know, we know the science of conditioning. We understand that, you know, the mindset of adolescents, that they're more influenced by their peers than they're influenced by their parents once they reach a certain age. 
we understand that over over the years, if you have adults who are modeling the penitentiary, who are modeling, who who think that you know going to jail, and we have that with the rap culture that you know your credibility comes with going to jail. If these are the things that we're supporting and we're not targeting, then yeah, it becomes real easy for someone, you know, when we think about the science of it. And that's what we have to deal with, and that's what what uh, the addicted to the lifestyle deals with. We're talking about the science of behavior modification. Because if you don't deal with, you know, what, what has this culture in place is a scientific process. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. And if the only way you can address it is through scientific intervention, with behavior modification, addressing the thoughts and the behaviors. So, you know, it's hard when you don't it, know. It's no, it's, no, it's no different. It's no different in reality, right, than any other addictive right. counseling. Correct? Right, right, correct. But, but you're moving away from the physical addiction to right. a psychological mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, no, and, so- and the only reason I the only reason I bring it up is that um, you know we, we're we're in the context of, of of breaking away from some things that were done in in the Criminal Justice Reinvestment Act, and a lot of people want to say that alternatives to incarceration are actually cheaper than than incarceration. I don't necessarily believe that. And the reason I don't believe it is that they need people like yourself who are degreed. Uh, I think what you have a master's in, in social work, as yeah. I recall, as as well as um, a licensed mental health provider. Um, you know, Correct. and and, you know, to have the appropriate folks that are doing and monitoring and managing these programs is not a cheap solution. Um, and. But but it's a necessary solution to what we're doing uh, because just putting people in jail uh, is not going to reduce recidivism. And, you know, there has to be a way, a pathway, a reentry program where we get people to experience um, the high on life as opposed to the high on the drug that they may have been on if they – or alcohol if they have an addictive disorder. If we're not treating the underlying disorder, I don't know how we expect that people are not going to recidivate. Uh, it doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, we talk about having reentry programs. You've been in this business a long time. You think we have enough? <laughs> do, do you think we have enough? Because, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with the number that we have. It's so woefully understaffed, underserved, uh, we all talk about it, but it, it takes money to finance it, and I just don't see the political will to do it. And also consistency. <laughs> consistency you know, may be more important than anything, right? Yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, many times we get funding, our programs or agencies may get funded, for a three yeah, two, year period, two, two, year two or period. three year period, right, and then yeah, it goes away, and then then it goes away, and the problem resurfaces. So consistency and funding is key, 
And I agree with what you say, um, qualified individuals who understand the science of behavior modification. Um, that's also key. Uh, and I, I don't want to say too much about that, but the bottom line is, no, there's not enough re, uh, uh, programming for us reentry. But the key is, when you look me, at the population that we're serving, you know, just being realistic here in Louisiana, we're working predominantly with African Americans, and so one of the one of the uh, struggles that we have is when you take programming and models that were created and piloted for other communities, and you use and try to apply them to the population here in Louisiana and New Orleans, it doesn't fit. It don't work. That has been shown. And so, and, and to be specific, you know, you can't take a, 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 a Afrocentric or African-American community and take the culture that is specific to them, but use a Eurocentric model to undo the conditioning process, you know, you, that's why like, like with substance abuse, mental health, everybody promotes cultural competency because we understand that cultural competency is the key. And it's, it's not a euphemism. It's the language. It's the understanding. It's a skill that helps individuals transcend out of that state of psychosis. And that's, that's what we call it, psychosis, being out of touch with the reality of our existence in our community. Terry, I would, at one point in my career, I would not have believed a single word that you just said. I had an opportunity uh, to visit when we were talking about juvenile justice reformation. And I visited Missouri. And uh, the uh, then Attorney General John Ashcroft um, for Missouri completely and totally reformed juvenile justice. I went up there twice, and I spoke to their kids in Missouri. And you are correct. Their kids are different than our kids. And they're mm-hmm. different from our kids in a lot of different ways. And it was an eye-opening experience for me. But, you know, they had folks accredited like yourself sitting in dorms in juvenile uh, justice um, day reporting centers, incarcerated environments uh, that were sitting and talking to these kids and counseling these kids and doing everything that you just discussed eight hours a day. Okay. And the reason they have the successes that they had is that they were doing what you have been doing, but it was consistent and it was systematic. Every okay. juvenile in that state, if X, then Y, if you did this, then this is what you had to do to come out from under criminal, uh, to come out from under juvenile justice. And mm-hmm. you had to reach certain milestones in order to do so. Two things that we don't do here in Louisiana well. We don't do things consistently. We don't do them systematically. And unless and until we get to that point, we will not succeed. 
And, you know, everybody's got a different nuance to what they want to do, how they want to do it within a system. In New Orleans, you may get uh, program A, B, C, D, and E. In some other parish, you may only get program A, C, and D. Well, why is that? If if we're doing, and like you said, evidence-based outcome programs, and we know that they work, the menu or the inventory of programs being offered ought to be the same, right? No matter what judge you go before in this state, what what district court or juvenile court you, you go before in this state, it ought to be systematic so that we can judge the effectiveness, standardized, systematic, so that we can, that we can gain a better understanding of what's actually working and what's not working, as opposed right. to the hodgepodge that we have today. And... I see that as one of the biggest challenges that we have. We can talk a good game. We can talk all the sound bites. And I just don't see where we're going to make any progress in, in, in that respect. Um, Terry, I, I really appreciate you joining us today. I wish we had more time. Uh, at some point, I'll get you back on for sure to talk more about this. Appreciate the work that you do each and every day. And you've been doing it a long time. I know, I think some over 20 years for sure. Um, and we appreciate that as well. Years. <laughs> 25 years. 25 years and counting, right? Terry Clay, yeah. founder of Men of Recovery. Thank you so much, sir. Best of luck to you. I thank you. I thank you for having me on. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. We're going to go to the uh, talk lines. We hope to hear from you. What do you think about what's going on in this crime session, this special session in Baton Rouge. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So we've been talking about the special session to address uh, crime in Louisiana and a number of the uh, bills, uh, items on the governor's call in excess of 20. Um, And 
We uh, spent some time with Joe Marino, former state representative and former chairman of the Criminal Justice Committee that dealt with the Criminal Justice Reinvestment Act. Now, a lot of stuff has been blamed on that act, and a lot of things um, have been proposed in order to change certain things relative uh, to that act. And But I think it's, it, it, it's important to put things in proper perspective. And we wanted to hear from you. We have Etta. Uh, Etta, you're yeah. welcome to the show. Go ahead, Yeah, Etta. I haven't called for a long time, but I, I used to call. I followed you when you were the sheriff in, uh, is it Kenner or whatever? But in I always Jefferson. thought you uh, yes. did a pretty good job. And uh, But what I was thinking about is the business that's going on at the uh, Capitol now. It's about, it's, it, first and true, it's power. I can show you how much power I got. Whether I needed a user beneficiary to anybody or not, I got it, and I'm going to waste it. So that's what's going on with the power. But I would like to make a statement to our uh, delegates or whatever they are at this uh, state capitol meeting. When I look at the, the, the state capitol building, and I see the, the darkness in it, can't they find some money to clean up the capital? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I know what you're talking about the, uh, the, the shading of the shading and the in the mold on the concrete. No beauty. Yeah. It has no beauty. They don't clean it up. They can have take a million dollars and have somebody, you know, clean it. I've seen a deal over with the, uh, the building on Broad Street and Tulane. Oh, mm-hmm. years and years ago, they cleaned it, and it looked so nice. And every time I see a picture of the Capitol, I know I'm off the subject, but I've been wanting the opportunity to bring it to somebody's mind. Do something about the Capitol. Make your Capitol beautiful. All righty. Thank Clean you, Anna. I appreciate, appreciate the call. Have a great day. So in the governor's address to the state legislature yesterday he says our criminal justice system has lost balance. The steps we take to restore that balance are difficult to accept for some. However, when promises are made to a victim's family and friends, granting them that justice restores balance. Our capital punishment law serves to bring justice for crimes of horrific violence. When these sentences are handed down, they form a covenant between the state and the victims and their family and their friends. Justice requires that we uphold that covenant. I absolutely believe in what he said in those words. Uh, You've heard me talk about how we have become an offender-centric model for a long, long time. But that doesn't mean that we disrupt the balance where we're tilting the scales so much so in the opposite way. What I find kind of interesting is that the governor has talked about the indigent defender uh, board and the situation there where he says we currently spend 75 million dollars a year on public defenders for those unable to pay their own criminal defense the louisiana public defender system lacks accountability and has strayed from providing defense and moving criminal cases We propose to increase transparency and refocus the mission of providing defenders and support personnel for much-needed efficiency. 
The truth be told, $75 million is a drop in the bucket. We are an adversarial system. Our system can never work efficiently unless we adequately fund the Indigent Defender Board. Now, I know those out there are probably saying, wait a minute, you're the former sheriff. You're the guy that's trying to put people in jail. How can you say that they need to be defended? Because that's the way our system works. There are constitutional protections here. It's that balance that we're talking about that the governor has talked about, the balance. And the balance can't be so tilted on behalf of the state, whether we like it or not. And it's the only way that we get judicial efficiency. Judicial efficiency is paramount to the success of the criminal justice system. We cannot move cases if people are not represented. They have a right to counsel. And if they can't afford one, one will be appointed for them. We have a varied varied and myriad of ways of funding and financing indigent defenders, some of which have nothing to do with that discipline and their purpose. So, for example, a lot of indigent defender programs in parishes across the state are funded by traffic tickets. The more traffic tickets, the more money they make. When we hit the pandemic and we were down and out relative to um, human capital, one of the first things that suffered was traffic enforcement. Every time that we had a challenge in Jefferson Parish, we issued less tickets. We had less people out there. More people reassigned them to go answer calls because I knew when you'd call 911, you want the troops showing up. And you, and if you were given the choice of me issuing more traffic tickets or having more troops show up at your home in response to your 911 call, I knew exactly what the public in Jefferson Parish was going to pick. They want the cavalry to come out when they dial 911. But that hurt the funding of IDB. And so what happens is there's no balance. Because there's no standardized, systematic, consistent way of funding indigent defenders. So to say that they've strayed from providing defense and moving criminal cases, a lot of that, because I know a lot of these folks, they're well-intentioned folks. They don't have the money. They don't have the consistency of the funding. We play at it. We talk around it. We got We have to talk right through it. And we have to make sure that it is alive and well because it's the only path to judicial efficiency. We cannot have a system that has a full complement of assistant district attorneys, but less than on the criminal defense bar for the IDB offices. That that imbalance doesn't work. It creates an incredible inefficiency, a clog in the system. And the only way that we're going, the easiest way to create safety on the streets is to more effectively and efficiently deal with those that are arrested. 
Arrests are only as good as a DA's prosecution. But if we have indigents that are not appropriately defended, it mucks up the whole system. The whole system comes to a stop. We need to recognize that. Instead of complaining that we're only spending $75 million, if you really want to incarcerate more arrested individuals, you make sure that all the pieces and parts of the system are fully funded. Plain and simple. To create the judicial efficiency that's out there. We are woeful in our clearance rates. But that doesn't mean that we need to be woeful in the approach that we take in the prosecution of these criminal defendants because we underfund one side as opposed to the other. And quite frankly, a number of DA's offices are not appropriately funded either. What's interesting here is we talk about criminal justice and wanting to, you know, make an impact on crime. There's not a single bill here to expand DNA, for example. The State Police Crime Lab services a number of parishes, especially the rurals, as opposed to a lot of the urban areas. Jefferson Parish has its own crime lab, has its own DNA lab. City of New Orleans has its own crime lab, soon to have its own DNA lab. There are a lot of others that have regional DNA labs, that they're not reliant upon state police. But if you want to really backfill to the capacity that's out there that's not enough, that's where you start to put dollars. But there's not going to be a, this this attempt to talk about we're going to create savings by doing this and we're going to reallocate these savings to the other side and we're going to end up funding some of this. That never works efficiently. And the exigency that's been created by having this special session and really not addressing all of these issues is misleading. It's misleading. And it's the same approach that the governor took when he talks in his speech about drug treatment court, where he says that, um, you know, there was a bill that was um, vetoed by the governor as it related to drug treatment court because it was a money grab by then Attorney General Jeff Landry, where we were going to redirect dollars. He was going to have complete and total discretion over how these monies were to be spent, contrary to what he testified for, and it was going to mandatorily create a situation where local sheriffs and others were going to have to drug test everybody coming into the system, and there were no dollars guaranteed to pay for that, which means if we had to pay for that, less law enforcement out on the streets. A lot of people were not in favor of that situation, so it wasn't really as clean as he wants others to believe that we now have a governor who's willing to sign this piece of legislation. It was a horrible piece of legislation. It was then in 2021, and it is today in 2024. It has not improved because it really didn't have anything to do 
with the office of the attorney general. It doesn't matter. Liz Murrell's there. Jeff Landry's there. That's not the situation. None of these people participated in the creation of drug treatment courts in the first instance. But they understand the success of the program and they understand the dollars available and everyone would love to be a participant of it so that they can brag about what has been accomplished. And it's a political plus up for someone if they interject themselves in this process. If that's what you want, then call your folks and have them vote for these bills. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we've got a number of texts that have come in, uh, you know, folks talking about uh, different things here. Um, So you employ all the latest and greatest programs that academia and professionals believe will work. What is the next step when individuals do not participate in the programs? Do you incarcerate them at that point? There you go, filling the jail again. Do we allow them on the streets while while participating? I lost my place. Participating, uh, this is the basis of the whole problem. They already exist in society. No, no one said it was easy. There's going to be have to be a healthy balance of those participating outside of the jail as well as inside of the jail. There's no doubt about that. If we just increased our clearance rate by 5%, the whole system is in crisis. The whole system. And if you couple a 5% improvement in arrest rates with an 85% uh, minimum serving of time, we will be in an overcrowded position and we will be making decisions of who's in, who's out. It, it was the experience the last time we went down this road with truth and sentencing. We, we, we've known about this in Jefferson Parish. We've been in jail. Over, we were in jail overcrowding. Uh, conditions since the 1970s and for a long long time we were releasing individuals under our code 6 program where we objectively evaluated each individual inmate for their propensity for violence and had to sit there and make some very difficult decisions because it's a limited asset a prison bed so you want to make sure that you're putting the right people in that bed at the right time for the right reasons. None of this is easy. But without additional funds to finance these alternatives that that the governor talks about, re-entry programs, GED, learning a job skill, and we'll talk more about that 
in the next half hour, and we'd love to hear from you. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. We'll continue our conversation and go to the talk lines when we return. Stay with us. This is Newell on WWL. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 